interesting. Uh, I was just added to a chat group on Facebook. Right. Before you say that, are we going to intro to this? Not, oh, not really. All right. Snakes and Stogies, rock and roll. Snakes and Stogies, episode four. Um... What were you going to say? Your, your Facebook group? Yeah, I'm, I'm posting the link to this real quick. Do what you must, sir. Do what you must. So people know what's happening. I got the blurb on the my Facebook saying that Palmetto Coast Exotics was now live on the YouTube. We are live on the YouTube. Yeah, because I follow that, you know. Actually, uh, one of the Venomous guys today was telling me about Twitch and how we should do that. Yeah, I, I haven't really played with it a whole lot. I don't know how, how easy it is to coordinate. Because, um, I mean, if you think about it, there's a very large gap as far as platforms, and I don't think there's anybody doing reptiles on Twitch. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they, they were basically just saying about how it's an awesome platform in the sense of you're going to reach out to millions more people who don't like YouTube because they think YouTube's antiquated for some reason, which I find hard to believe, but I'm also quite analog. Um, um, I think it's, I think it's people are starting to jump ship. I think YouTube is on its, it's, it's on the, uh, it's on its heels kind of not necessarily the last leg, but things are just not, they're, yeah. they're not in good graces at the moment with the general populace. Right, right. <laughs> he was also saying how you can you do the Twitch video, and again, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I could be totally wrong, but you do the Twitch video, and then you can it saves to your library on your Twitch account or whatever, and then you can transfer them or upload them to Instagram and YouTube and whatever. So if you want to make one an Instagram IG TV thing, you just there it is. Supposedly, I don't know. I'm still working on an iPhone 6, so look at me. Android. All the way. I got an email. I'm live on my own channel. Oh. <clears throat> now I know. Knowing's happening. Uh, so, yeah, me and, me and Jake were added to this chat group um, of other South Carolina, like two or three other South Carolina guys. Yeah. And apparently, South Carolina Senate bill would protect wild turtles and other reptiles and, and amphibians from commercial exploitation. Really? As of today. says, a new bill in the South Carolina Senate Committee on Fish, Game, and Forestry would ban the commercial trade of native reptiles and amphibians in the state. Bipartisan measure seeks to end years of extensive poaching, which, enabled by the state's weak conservation laws, threaten wild populations. Senate Bill 885 was pre-filed December 11, 2019 by Senators Vincent Sheehan, Sheehan and George Campson ahead of the 2020 legislative session beginning today. The bill would make it unlawful for a person to sell, purchase, trade, exchange, barter, export, ship, transfer, possess, or rehome any native reptile or amphibian species with limited exceptions for personal possession of certain species as established by state wildlife officials. Wow. That sucks. 
This legislation is a lifeline for South Carolina's rare and beautiful reptiles and amphibians, which are targeted for sale in domestic and international markets, said Elise Bennett, a staff attorney at the Center for Biological Diversity, who is dedicated to protecting rare reptiles and amphibians. Turtles are especially vulnerable to overcollection as the demand for them is so high. We're thrilled South Carolina is poised to join the majority of states across the country that help protect their wild turtles. Oh, what a crock. Scientists have repeatedly documented that freshwater turtles cannot sustain any significant level of wild collection without population level impacts and declines. One study of common snapping turtles demonstrated that a modest harvest of 10% per year for 15 years could result in a 50% reduction in population size. Well, yeah, it's 10% over five years. Uh, in 2018, state wildlife officials arrested a kingpin in an international scheme to traffic rare turtles, along with at least five other men from South Carolina. His role in trafficking rare turtles from the South Carolina to dealer from South Carolina to dealers in New York, Hong Kong, and the Carolinas. And in September 2019, state officials seized 216 turtles from a trafficker who was planning to ship them to Asia. I remember seeing that. I do. So, if you want. Here's, here's my kind of take on the whole thing. Go for it. Fire away. South, Car South Carolina is not the most strict of states. Correct. Um, I know turtles are, like, as far as what's caught around here, like spotted turtles and stuff like that, like, there is a, there is a big demand for that kind of stuff. Um, I don't entirely disagree with it, but... That's a huge butt, like capital B-U-T, double asterisks. My biggest issue is us becoming Georgia 2.0. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you, I, I see copperheads that are wild caught and sold at shows. I see corn snakes that are wild caught and sold at shows. Do I think that now I, I won't be able to find corn snakes because someone is over collecting? Absolutely not. Right. Um, I think that it is a massive push by the, I don't want to use the word tree huggers, but a massive push by those type of individuals to stop any kind of, any kind of anything. And their number. Well, here's here's something interesting. Check this out. Uh, so the contacts for this are Elise Bennett for the Center of Biological Diversity, Rick Hudson of the Turtle Survival Alliance, and Paul Gibbons. I don't know who he is, but apparently Rick Hudson is with uh, the Fort Worth Zoo because his email is at fortworthzoo.org. Okay, and is in Fort Worth in Texas? Yes. But he's with the Turtle Survival Alliance. Oh, oh, that's right. He's with the TSA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I that's, we're at kind of a, uh, an odd spot now because I feel like if I take this to some of my, like, ecologist buddies here in the state, they're probably not going to be on board without all-out banning because a lot of them really aren't in the the hobby side of things like keeping and stuff. Right, right, right. A lot of them are like, uh, we must preserve everything, you know, even if it doesn't affect the wild population at all, like we shouldn't have them. 
So this is interesting. I um, I learned the hard way because I, I thought like they did for a long time because I went to several different herb spots that were known for having good snakes, bountiful snakes. Um, one might call them like the spot in my, you know, tri-county area. And our counties are really big. Um, there's like two and a half or three million people in just my one county. Um, and I watched it over the course of about 12, 15 years. I watched the snakes disappear. And it was because people were taking them. It was because of, of overcollecting. But the problem is if I drove a mile and a half, two miles up the street, where no one ever went because they didn't know the go there, I could, in theory, catch 50, 60 snakes in a night. And right. I learned that my thought process of, oh, these assholes are poaching all of our native wildlife. No. Yeah, they ran a well dry, but there's a lot of wells and there's a lot of animals. And most of Florida's terrain is privately owned by agriculture. And you know damn well mm -hmm. farmers aren't letting ecologists go on their property oh. snakes, let alone have enough ecologists to properly do an actual census, if you will. So there's always going to be more than, in my personal opinion, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a herpetologist, I'm not an ecologist. In my personal opinion, there's always going to be more than what <clears throat> than what we see or what is shown to us. The Burmese pythons, for example, did a study saying that there were X amount of pythons per X amount of area. Well, what they did was is they took that number and they multiplied it by every acre in the state of Florida. So, right, that's a that's a statistic. They can't, right. and that's they use that to extrapolate whether it's accurate or not. They're like, this is a statistic. These numbers don't lie. Right, but the problem is is that they are incorrect. Because there are no Burmese pythons in Orlando. There are no Burmese pythons in Gainesville. There are no Burmese pythons in Pensacola. They're not there. The area where they are, yeah, it's kind of concentrated. But personally, I go in the Everglades at least once a week, and I've never seen one. And now I am a little biased because I don't go to the known spots on purpose because I kind of don't want to see one. You know what I mean? Right. But they are not in my backyard right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're not in my backyard right now. They're not eating the neighbor's dog. It's, it's number exaggeration in my opinion. <clears throat> and yeah, now, I mean, I under, like I understand like turtles in South Carolina have had have been a have been a thing for a while, you know. But to then just say, hey, because people are bleeding these dry, that must mean they must be bleeding dry every other native species we have. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. let's ban them. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And it's it's so frustrating because South Carolina has been like the last bastion of like total freedom. When it comes to keeping stuff, you know, we've we have uh, fortunately sort of higher up in our in the the hills of Columbia, our capital, uh, we have a herpetologist, his Rudy Menke. Um, so I think he's kind of been going to bat for us a little bit, but it's just frustrating. Like I don't see I don't see the point. You know, it's like yeah. turtles. I can understand. Like yes. <clears throat> maybe pay attention to those a little more. Is that going to stop people from doing what they're doing? Probably not. Right. And it's kind of the same topic. And I don't want to bring guns into it. You know, it's just guns are easy to talk about because the numbers are there, but people don't want to see it. Um, it's no different than the guard gate at the community. Okay. You have a, you have a neighborhood community. The guard gate lets people in and lets people not in. Right. 
Mm-hmm. There's no fence around the community. I can right. drive around the guard gate. I'm still going to break the law by driving around the guard gate. It's the same thing. You can ban the turtle. You can ban the owning of these turtles or the harvesting of these turtles till you're blue in the face. The bad guys are still going to smuggle them to China or smuggle them to Singapore or smuggle them to the UK or wherever they're smuggling them. So those guys are still going to break the law. All it does is hurt the good people. It's no different than the guns. You ban the guns and all of a sudden bad guys are always going to have guns. They're bad guys. So They didn't care before. They're not going to care now. Exactly. And now Florida is under a similar thing that I just got sent an email. Did, wait, did you send it to me? Or oh, yeah. No, I saw it, though. I know what okay. you're talking about. Um, basically, the reptiles of concern, which they have deemed reptiles of concern, um, which are the quasi-banned snakes. And yeah, to- it was like scrub, berms, right, retics. Right. Now, about a year ago, maybe, they officially banned the first actual banned reptile in the state of Florida. And you know what it was? And it was the one it was the one species of anaconda nobody has. No, it's the it's the yellow. They banned yellows. I Which, thought it was the, the like the one of the other it was the other species that no one has. Or nope. was that just thrown into it? That was just that was that was hearsay. If you look at the actual statute, it says that the the buying, selling, trading, possessing, breeding, exporting, the the simple having in your possession of a yellow anaconda is now illegal in the state of Florida, which is crazy because they weren't even on that funky list. They weren't even on the restricted list. They just pulled it out of their out of their hat. So I well, I'm sure that was one person. They they consulted like one individual, and that one individual was like yellow anacondas, and they're like, "You heard the man, like get to it, ban him." And here's the kicker: so nobody believes that that was real. Um, everyone believes that that was the that, that nobody believes that, that was a real thing. They did that to test the waters. They wanted to bugs bunny their toe in the water to see how easy it would be to just poof, ban everything. And now they want to basically ban everything that I just said in terms of possessions, trade, sale, everything. They want to ban it all from that restricted list. So that means that the buying, selling, trading, breeding, and exporting and importing of retics, berms, actual amethystine pythons, rock pythons, both north and south, uh, yellow anaconda, green anaconda, Nile monitor, and the, all of those would be banned. And then they want to add green iguana and tegu. And it I did see that. It's not specified as to which type of tegu. They don't say See, and that's funny because it's like, why are you banning iguanas now? They've already taken hold. Like exactly. They're already there. They're, they're not going anywhere. Right. They're not like you're not getting rid of iguanas at this point. It's not going to happen. It'll never happen. They're always going to be there forever. So now, at the same time, um, by the way, uh, Matthew, you're a douche. Um, I'm assuming he's watching. He just texted me, "You're stupid. Get off. Get off YouTube." Uh, if I go, if I have a child, right? Let's say I have a 12 year old boy who wants to get into lizards and he thinks iguanas are cool and he catches one that happens to be swimming in the, in the pool and he rescues it out of the chlorinated pool and wants to keep it as a pet. Now that kid's going to get a fine or better yet. Now instead he go back and shoot it and the kid has to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the real good part. To the best of my knowledge, the people who are verifying those laws are biologists who from my understanding are in college who are still undergrad who have not done any field work 
who are literally just office people who are working their way through a biology degree or whatever. And I could be wrong. I'm not, I don't mean to generalize or stereotype, but <clears throat> all of a sudden they tell me what I can and cannot have when they have no facts to back it up other than someone who wrote something in some paper. And then to make matters even more interesting, when I renewed my licenses this year for 20, for 2019 renewal for 2020, now granted, I was like three weeks late because I did not get my mail on time. But then right. I mailed it out in the beginning of October. It was it expired in September. I mailed it out like the first week of October. I have yet to get my licenses. Why? It's uh, it's, it's 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 a renewal. It's not even a new applicant. It's a renewal. I had to write a letter to the state of Florida declaring my sole intentions for the possession of those restricted animals I just told you about. And I said, this license is for breeding and selling, correct? And the person on the phone said, yeah, that's what it's for. I said, so then why do I need to write a letter saying what I'm going to do? I'm going to breed and sell them. All right, I'll stop getting upset now. Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm reading more of this thing. And uh, at the bottom, it says background. It says, as a part of a campaign to protect turtles in the United States, the Center for Biological Diversity in 2009 submitted a regulatory petition to South Carolina asking it to ban commercial trapping of wild turtles. That year, South Carolina limited the transport of some turtle species across state lines. However, these rules left the striped mud turtle, southeastern mud turtle, eastern musk turtle, and bog turtle vulnerable to unregulated collection. Following similar center petitions and advocacy, Florida, Missouri, and Texas banned commercial collection of wild freshwater turtles. New York halted commercial collection of dimeback terrapin turtles, and Nevada halted commercial reptile collection, I guess, period. Arkansas and Georgia and Iowa adopted some restrictions. So, like, I don't have any issue with that. Like, yeah, ban trapping wild turtles. That's still not going to stop anybody. Uh If those three, if those four species that were left out are an issue, add them in. Hmm. Yeah, it but seems see, like a fairly simple solution. Like you're conceding to the give an inch, take a mile. You don't give them an inch. You know what I mean? Well, I'd, so I'm saying it's already in place, so it's not really giving them an inch. Like they're already in. Like if they're there and these are now a problem, just put those in with the other freshwater turtles and be done. Yeah, I um, and watch how many people still do it. I don't know how it is in South Carolina, but I sat in on an FWC reptile-related hearing. Not hearing, uh, what do they call it, when they're proposing a bill. And about 10 or 15 articulate individuals came up and spoke on behalf of the Herpers of Florida. Their speeches were well-orchestrated, well-written, like I said, articulate. And when push came to shove, it didn't mean anything. They don't care. Yeah. Well, those, it's all semantic. Like, their mind's already made up going into that thing, dude. Exactly. They don't care what everybody else says. They've, it's already been decided. They just have to do this because they have to. Like, they can't not do it and not get the peasants' opinions. Right, right. You know, right. so they're like, well, they, they made their mind up going into it, I'm sure. And they were like, well, we have to sit here now and listen to these people. So, yeah. They, like, their mind's already made up, you know. Yeah, the, uh, the individual I just made fun of, Matt, uh, who made fun of me. He, um, him and his wife uh, were big snake people. They had a ton of retics and berms and anacondas and all, awesome snakes, and that was their passion. And the state literally cut them off at the knees to the point where they had to give away their animals, sell off their vision cages, because what's the point of having a six-foot vision with you can't have a big snake? 
Um, luckily, a couple of their animals got rehomed at local zoos and stuff like that, so they can at least go see their animals. But for what? You know what I mean? Right. They never, they never, they never let it affect anybody but them. No one ever got bit. No one ever got strangled to death. No dogs were eaten. You talking about Emu Matt or Castleberry Matt? Yes, Castleberry Matt. Yes, Matt and Jamie. Hopefully, they're watching. So good people. I enjoyed hanging out with them in Daytona. They're great people. Every time I see cassowaries on Facebook now, I just I think about that conversation and just what absolute death machines those freaking birds are. Were you the one that sent me the video of the guy like with the GoPro? Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. Dude, that's the scariest shit ever. <laughs> right. Like, how did watching, I think Katie was watching it with me. I was like, you understand these things would kill you in like a heartbeat. <clears throat> it's literally a dinosaur. And like, like almost more more dinosaur than a crocodile. Like oh, literally, yeah. like Jurassic oh, yeah. Park. Yeah, I think I would rather pet a wild croc monitor than go in the cage with one of a, than go in the cage with a cassowary that I know is going to rip my face off. And they ain't going to ban those, right? But you can't have a corn snake. Stop! Stop! <laughs> Say it three times and like Beetlejuice, it'll just appear. Yeah, right? Don't look in the mirror. I don't know, but me and these these four other gentlemen, I guess we're going to see what we can do as far as talking to who we need to. Fortunately, I have a good buddy um, who was actually – he was Ryan from our first stream we did where Katie was with us. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's with SCDNR, and he's up in Somerville, and so I sent that link to him and was like, I know you understand because he keeps stuff. He's got – you know, he was a big venomous guy for a long time. He – he has some beateds now, and he's big on on dart frogs and stuff at the moment. He doesn't really have much in the way of snakes, I don't think. But cool. Uh, I mean, he gets it, you know. Um, yes, Cox, we can get Jake and Emu. Um, they're very expensive, but all Jake would have to do is register his home for agriculture, and it's technically a game bird in the United States. So bizarre. Crazy. But yeah, I mean, like I, I told those guys, like, I don't entirely disagree with the thing, but the issue is, is you know that this is kind of just the beginning once they realize this is like their, this is their litmus test. Sure. You know, mm. and well, you know, because like I have, I have my corns that are wild caught. Of course. I don't, it's not like I'm, I'm not going and grabbing 20, you know, every two weeks to flip somewhere. Like I literally have three. Two of them I got when they were like fresh out of the egg, like tiny. Uh, and then the, the male I have, he's a little older, but still nothing major. Like I don't like taking adults. You know, I don't like, I just, if I find something small, like if I find a baby in the pool and like the skimmer box or something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, what are the odds that that thing's even going to make it to adulthood? Exactly. Probably pretty slim. Exactly. It's got a better chance with you than it does out in the pool filter. Drinking all that chlorine fumes and crap. I don't know, man. I, I'm against over poaching. I'm against over harvest. I think that an harvest is good for the system, but I think Florida had a cool law. Um, I don't know if it changed. I know it changed for uh, Florida pine snakes. They basically made them completely protected. But you know what? I'm all right with it. You know, if it got to the point where they felt that it needed to be like that, okay. But for the past. For the from I guess it was two years ago is when they changed the law. Prior to two years ago, the history 
of the Western culture in Florida, you could own, I think it was one pine snake per person per household. I think same thing with like a Dimeback Terrapin. You could have one one per person right. per household, but you couldn't buy it. You couldn't trade for it. You had to field collect it. And then babies, you could give a baby away, but you couldn't sell it or trade it. And here's the thing. If I've got, if it's me and my roommate and we each have a pet, we have one turtle each, that's perfect. You know what I mean? But you come right. over that and I have a kiddie pool with 60 of them in it. That's illegal. That's bad. I'm a smuggler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now someone's going to take that clip and they're going to doctor it. <laughs> See, what doesn't make sense to me is like SCDNR is constantly running studies on uh, like cobia populations. Right. Like cobia fishing lately for the last couple of years has been really rough and they because they've been overfished. And so SCDNR got to a point where they're like, no one's, you know, cobia season basically isn't going to exist for the next like two years because these things aren't like they're not doing well. <clears throat> They put regulations on hunting deer. They put regulations on, uh, you know, shooting ducks, quail, you know, all that stuff, whatever. How is that any different than collecting wild reptiles? The only difference is you're selling them instead of eating it. Which is funny because most of the fishermen, they're doing it commercially anyway. The ones that are taking large hauls of fish, they're commercial fishing. And they have a commercial fishing license, you know. They have a quota. They have a size limit. They have a bag limit, whatever you want to call it. It's like it's like lobsters down here, you know. The lobsters yeah. down here, you're allowed so many per person per day per season, and it has to be a certain size. And you know what? If you're on a if you're on a private boat or a charter boat and you're lobstering and you don't have that special lobster ruler, you know, bolted to the side of the boat, you're an asshole. You deserve it. It's, it doesn't make sense because they've. It seems to me that SEDNR is pretty has done a pretty good job as far as regulating cobia and stuff like that. Right. Like knowing when to say, "Hey, no cobia." And I mean, obviously, you're going to have people that catch cobia and they're like, "I'm taking this thing home. I'm eating it." Yeah. Yeah. You know. But they seems like they they do a pretty good job managing deer populations and fish populations and all these other things. Like, why would this be any different? It's what Steve Rinella calls the cute and cuddly syndrome, or the cute and cuddly theory. Um, it's no different than the grizzly bears in Yellowstone. Yellowstone is inundated with grizzly bears. We, we brought them back from extinction, and we did a great job of it. We protected them. We nurtured them. We studied them medically as well as ec- ecologically. But now there's too many, and now they're overburdening the prey populace to the point where now you're having them leave the park. And now they're going into farmland. Well, here's the problem. You're not allowed to shoot them. You're not allowed to hunt them. There is no tag. There is no conservation donation. No, it's just they're cute and cuddly, so we can't kill them. But a rattlesnake that's protected, you could shoot it with a pistol, and no one cares. You can shoot 60 of them, and no one cares. Why? Because it's not cute. The normal people dies. Boy. Those people have never seen a bear attack. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> You know, and now you I, go watch the Revenant. You have, uh, you know, stations like National Geographic, which are world-renowned and breathtaking and beautiful, and they spread education and conservation, and they educate people through amazing photography and videography and stuff like that. But at the same time, they put out a documentary on wolves in a, a national park and how the wolves changed the ecosystem and they made it better. The rivers flowed better, and the elk 
made more baby elk and the deer did better and the foxes did better because the deer did better. And it's this chain reaction until you get to the point where you have more wolves than, you know, right. Team. And the balance. Right. The balance. And you know what? There's checks and balances in nature. Right. Like there's, there's that no exists for a reason. Right. And that's why you have what's called wildlife management. And hey, I mean, if there's a permit to collect, you know, hey, you have, you can, same thing, just like the fish and stuff. Like collecting does take some of that pressure off. Sure. And allow, like, puts, creates a, creates a vacuum that then now needs to be filled. And uh, I don't know, just like, to say that I couldn't own a yellow rat snake or collect yellow rat snakes is funny because those things practically fall out of the trees here. They're everywhere. Like yep. they're really, 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 really common. Yeah. Um, especially here on Ladies Island where I live. Like racers and yellow rats are pretty much the two snakes you see all the time. Like I really don't see a whole lot of other stuff. <clears throat> um, it's like what? What's like? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's really tough to put into words, but like hunting does good things for all these other species that they regulate. Right. How would this be any different? I mean, yes, there is such thing as too much. Sure. Yes. There's a line that can be drawn. Right. But why can't we enforce that line? Just like we do all the other lines. Yep. Florida had a great program in 2016. So I don't know how it is in the Carolinas, but black bear have been really, really bad in, uh, I'll say Peninsula, Florida, for the most part, mostly on the west coast of Florida. Yeah, we don't we don't have them here on the coast. Okay, and uh, I've actually only ever seen one black bear in my county, and that was during brush fires. It actually was really small; it looked like a Rottweiler running across the road. And I was like, "Man, what the heck's a Rottweiler doing out in the Everglades?" And I was like, "Oh, that's a little black bear." So I've seen a hand, a good handful of bear in the wild, but in 2016 the Florida uh, Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission put out a, a bear tag. And they said, this is going to be a trial thing. Um, we're only going to issue, I think it was like 500 tags. Um, yep. First come, first serve lottery kind of thing. But there was a rule. And it was, your tag is for Monday through Friday. And again, I may butcher this, but Monday through Friday. They want to get a goal of like 283 bears. That was like the goal. And... They said the minute they get to like 283 or 280, they stop, and that's it. And obviously, there's going to be some shot after that or hunted after that, you know, because the word didn't get around fast enough. But but they figured that was a good enough window. So if everybody gets their bear, gets 200 or 80 something bear on day one, guess what? All those other guys for the rest of the week, sorry. And I thought that was a great system. Well, they pulled I think it was 302 or 301 bears within the first 24 hours. And they got more data in that one day of hunting than they did in like 15 or 20 years of bear study. You know, because now, and, and they made, they made restrictions. No part of the bear could be sold for profit. No part of the bear could be um, bartered. Like you can't like trade the, the, the pelt for like, you know, some deer meat or something. Um, it had mm -hmm. to be used for whatever. You want a taxidermy? Taxidermy. You want to, Eat it, go ahead, eat it, get some trichinosis. But <laughs> I, I found it amazing. And they said, listen, this is 2016. We're going to give 2017 a break. And if we feel the numbers are back up for 18, we'll do it again in 18. We'll try it again. Well, I'm pretty sure it has yet to be brought back. And you know what? I'm okay with that. It will come back in time. It's but just, at least they tried. 
Like at they least try. they're looking at solutions that 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 right. help both sides out. Mm -hmm. You know, because they did a similar thing with gator hunts here. Like they mm -hmm. only do a a limited number of permits each year, mm -hmm. and it's for a limited number of gators. I think it's like literally like you get one gator. And yeah. there's only, I think, 600 licenses sold a year for that. And it's kind of like a lottery system, too. So. And now, are you allowed to use firearms or no? Uh, I believe so, yes. Okay, in Florida, you are prohibited. It's the same thing. It's a lottery, and it's by zone. And, like, when you put in for the lottery, you get to pick where you want to go. And then if you do get picked, you usually don't get the choice of – you get you, you get picked for one of the spots you, you requested. Um, right. Not guaranteed you're going to get the best spot, but you're going to get a spot if you get selected. But you're not allowed to use firearms. You have to use, and this is the crazy part, because to me, as as an animal lover and an animal person, because there's 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 animal lovers and there's animal people. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. A lot of people think that you know lizards are cool and they love lizards, but they ain't going to have them in their house. Um, me as an animal lover, as well as a hunter, as well as a sportsman, an outdoorsman. Um, a gentleman. The uh, we have to use a harpoon with a line or a treble hook. And to me, and I've done it with harpoon. I have, and we tried to make it as quick and painless as possible for the gator. Not it's, gonna happen with that. It's still kind of fucked up, though. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, the harpoon to me wasn't nearly as bad as the treble hook. Because the treble hook, you're literally throwing these hooks in this guy's back and wrestling him to the to, to wherever you're going to get him to. And then you legally have to use a bang stick. Um, what's up, Herb Nerd? Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with a bang stick, it's also referred to as a power head. It's basically a large pole with a special device at the end of it that is pressure sensitive. And you would put... Is it like the thing they use for cattle? No, 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 no. This is typically it was used for sharks underwater, um, oh. for a lot of other things. But basically, picture a, a broom handle, a long pole, whether it be wood or aluminum or whatever. And on the end of it, it has what's called a power head. Um, the power head is a metal device that holds a single bullet or a single shotgun shell. And there's like a oh yes, I know what you're talking about now. Pin yeah. in there, like a grenade, and the pin is the safety. So what you would do is you would get the gator tired out from these harpoons and the ropes and stuff. You'd get it to the boat. And then at that at that time, see, I feel like the harpoons are better because it has a little little tiny prick in its back. And those things are armor plated. And it doesn't even really feel that pain. But you're still tiring it out because you're reeling them in, so to speak. Um, and then once it gets to the boat, you very quickly and, for lack of a better word, humanely hit it with this power head. And the impact of the stick fires off the bullet or the right and have being someone who has done it it is in my opinion is very humane at that point but i still had to wrestle on everything it. leading up yeah yeah well as if let's say i had a rifle and i was a good shot i could dispatch the animal faster and in my opinion more humanely yeah and now mm. i just lost like 800 followers from that statement <laughs> I mean, I, hey, I'm completely on board with hunting the berms and stuff. You know, I have no issues with with hunting. You know, as long as it's done right, there's no. Post. As long as it's done right in a in a ethical manner, right? Ethically, right? I agree completely. I mean, I feel bad for the berms and stuff because they, you know, they didn't ask to be there. It's not their fault they're there. Mm -hmm. 
but they're not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. I love snakes, but hey, like if it's if they're doing open season on berms, have at it. You know, right? I told you about the initial berm thing. They wanted to recruit me for that. No. So originally, this was a bunch of years ago, maybe like ten years ago, when they thought they had a problem. Uh, they contacted a bunch of snake dudes, and they were like, "Listen, we know you're snake guys, and you like you like snakes, but we want to do like a, a demo, a, a beta test on this hunting. Um, we want to you want to know if you want to do it. You, we noticed that you had a hunting license registered with the state, and I said, "Okay, what's it entail? What can I do? What can I not do? You know, can I field collect them and keep them alive? Do I have to kill them? Do they have to be euthanasia? You know, how's it work?" And they said, "No, you are only allowed to do it between X and Y time frame." You only can do it at this one spot, and you have to use, are you ready, a shovel or a machete? And I said, no. Uh, thank you for the offer, but no. Not going to happen. I'm not going to hack up some poor defenseless animal with a shovel because you think it could be intrusive to native wildlife. Well, it sounds like they're fairly confused on the whole, like, humanely dispatching animals thing. Because remember the whole iguana debacle they had last year where they were like, yeah, kill iguanas. And then people started posting videos of, like, them literally, like, yeeting them with a freaking shopping cart and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Then they had to come back and say, wait a second. We said kill them, but do it humanely. Because all these rednecks just started having a blast, you know. It wasn't even it was like duct taping firecrackers to them oh, and stuff yeah. like it, that. The shopping cart video was like a bunch of like, like ghetto kids with like a like kids a, at a playground. Is that what it was? Kids at a playground? I, I think so. Or like, yeah, maybe like a outside of a some big stores. Or I don't know. It was very bizarre. But I was like, that's just messed up. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, kill them. But Jesus, just make it quick. Make it as painless as possible. And I mean, hell, I'm not. I'm not a hunter. I have family members that hunt all the time. I never got into it. You know, like I, I, I'm not into killing things that don't need to die necessarily. Sure. You know, at least by my own hand, like I'm a hypocrite cause I'll eat deer all day long. I'll, I love venison. I'll eat it constantly. I don't care, yeah. but I'm not going to be the one killing it and cleaning it. But you also, and that is, and there's no reason to judge you for that at all. You have made a conscious decision. And at the same time, you being a hypocrite by eating the venison to me, that's not hypocritical. To me, it would be hypocritical if you chastised or shamed those other people. But no, you understand what's going on. You understand the management aspect of it. You understand the conservation aspect of it. You know, it, it's that it, nobody loves animals more than hunters. Call it, call it. They're, ta- they're tasty, tasty, tasty animals. And it's not even about just eating it. It's the whole, the whole lifestyle, the experience, the monumental thing of. You know, you've got this father who I heard. I read a story. Um, I follow a bunch of mountain goat stuff. Um, I love yeah. mountain goats; they're awesome. And I followed the story of a guy in I want to say it was Idaho, maybe Montana. You know, big sky country. And he put in for the bighorn sheep lottery tag for 28 years and never got pulled. And they they do a point system. So if you start, let's say we just for round numbers, we start in the year 2000. You put in for 2000, when you reapply in 2001, you don't have one point, you get two points. 2003, you'd have three points. Okay. Accumulates. And the more points you have, the better odds you have at pulling it, drawing a tag. Well, he did it for like 27 years and never got a sheep. And then finally, his daughter was born 
and uh, I guess the next year, he put her in for a tag. And on her fourth birthday, she got it. He still hadn't got one, but she got the tag. Just luck of the draw. So he contacted the state, and he was like, listen, my daughter's four. Can we do some kind of amendment so when she's 12, I can instantly get a tag? And they said, yeah, because you're sacrificing your tag for the 2015 or whatever. Um, absolutely. And to watch that guy take his daughter into the mountains and he's crying out of love and happiness. Nobody loves animals more than hunters. Yeah. Cox, the whole feral cat thing is a whole another freaking can of worms. It, it really is. But it's like, good. I mean, they're the, they're, they're the second most invasive species on the planet, second to us. Mm -hmm. They probably beat us, actually, in terms of damage. And mm -hmm. I love cats. Like, I am a cat person. I like cats more than I like dogs. But I have no issues with getting rid of feral cat populations as long as it's done humanely and in a proper way, you know? Right. There was that, uh, that veterinarian, <clears throat> a young, early 20s veterinarian, who I guess had just got signed on with some vet practice, and they got contracted to basically euthanize all the cats in like a big neighborhood. Well, they did it with air rifles. And I think everything was cool until she posted pictures of her with the cliche, you know, trophy holding the, you know, holding the dead cats. And it's like, mm, that was uncouth. And you just made a joke of yourself. And now everyone hates you. Yeah. It can be like, not everyone needs to know these things. You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Doesn't have doesn't you don't have to it, not everyone wants to see it right like I don't want to see that stuff I would much rather have a, a a actual veterinarian with an air rifle you know dispatching invasive species humanely and properly than have some you know backwoods farmer poisoning everything right you know and and I almost don't get mad too much at the farmer because especially if it's rural because he's like, oh, I don't know how to do it anyway else or I can't afford to do it anyway else. It's like, well, that's still not good, but ignorance isn't bliss. Right. Yeah. Like the County here, they do, uh, uh, like fix and release. So they'll, they'll trap these, these local feral cats, mm -hmm. fix them and then put them back out. And it's like, okay, you've stopped them from making more, but that doesn't stop them from doing what they're doing to everything else. Exactly. Yep. They're still slaughtering green Carolina annuls by the thousands. And at the same time, you're going to get mad at me and Justin because we kept the pair of corn snakes from the wild. Meanwhile, the neighborhood cat, dude, I have not seen a green annul a native to Florida green annul in over 15 years. Now, one might say that's because of curly tail lizards. One might say that's because of brown and crested annuls. Um, but I'm convinced it has a lot to do with cats and, and dogs and stuff. You know? How many times uh, down here in South Florida, I mean, I don't know about the Carolinas, but how many times in South Florida, uh, I'm over at my friend's house, the dog's chewing on something, and he's like, hey, Fido, what are you chewing? And he spits out an annul. And it's like, well, there you go. <laughs> Yo, Cox is not having a good night with our conversation. <laughs> uh, apparently not. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm sorry. 
on a lighter note, the Arturo Fuente Grand Reserve Hemingway is delicious. As it's always, good smoke. It's a good Cameroon. It's a good Cameroon. Try and get that. There we go. I think that's a Cameroon. That looks like a chateau. It might be. I threw the wrapper away real quick and then look at it. It had what looks like the, uh, the balsa wood on the or whatever wood is on the outside. And it had a green green band on the foot. Green band on the foot. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's, that's a double chateau. Double Those chateau. are good, though. Those are very okay. good. Excellent. I'm enjoying it as well as this conversation, despite our soapbox angriness. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not really angry about it. It's just it's frustrating because I mean, there's only so much. People like the the issue is is the hobbyists and the people that it actually affects don't have the same wallets that the companies that have nothing to do with the hobby that are trying to, you know, close the doors on it have. And you know, it, with everything as far as the government goes, it always goes to the highest bidder. And uh, I always want to know, and maybe this is just me because I'm a paranoid guy. Maybe it's the conspiracy theorist in me. I want to know what the agenda is for them to ban certain animals without the facts. Brands are good. The Ashtons. Tell me it's a VSG. Tell me. You have the ESGs yet? I have not. I've not had an ESG. Oh, my God. All right. I'll buy one this weekend. You thought the VSGs were good. That ESG well, is like if I top, go into, top shelf Ashton. I would say at least – I don't want to say once a month. I would say at least once every other month I go into the shop, wherever I may be, or even I bust open my own humidor and I'm like, man, what do I want? I can't decide. You know what? Ashton VSG. Done. I haven't had one in a while. We carry them. I, just, I, haven't, I haven't smoked one in a minute. And my Calibri did – Beautifully this evening. Thank you again. Make my people bigger. Oh, nice. You ever do an cut or no? Yeah, on some of them. Some of them. I haven't if it's like a bigger gauge, like if it's like a 60, mm. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine anything under like a under like a 56 or 55, whatever, I imagine it being too frail and it just blowing out. That's all right, Brennan, man. At least you're smoking the good stuff. All that matters. But as far as cats go, my parents have two outdoor cats. I love them to death. They're cats. I love cats. Mm -hmm. But all the time, they are bringing up little gifts in the forms of, like, baby racers, which is – that doesn't bother me. We have so many black racers here. It's ridiculous. Like, they're yeah. not going to – And most of the time, they're like – black racers. No, no, they're usually dead. My cats were always bringing them stuff alive. Oh, you mean shrews I had to catch in my house alive? Well, they've—I mean—they have done a good job in that respect, as far as like catching moles and stuff like that. Like they've caught a few voles. Cool. Um, you know, so they've—they have caught some some rats and stuff too. So, I mean, they're doing their job in that regard. But I mean, it sucks when I see them—they caught a bird or something, and the you know. Yeah, birds dead on the porch, but ton of a uh, ton of racers. Which I mean, I think racers also have a big part in why I don't see many other snakes around here because they freaking eat everything. <laughs> yeah, man. 
I don't think, I don't think people realize like racers literally if they could fit in their mouth they're going to freaking eat it doesn't matter what it is which sucks because I, I wound up having to release that baby that I had because I just could not get it to eat. I even hunted down baby house geckos, still didn't want to eat them. Yeah, I don't I don't see those uh, doing very well in captivity for the most part, honestly. I don't know why I don't know why people would want to keep black racers. I don't see why they'd be that much fun. Like coach whips, I can kind of understand. Well, I wanted to get a baby because I wanted to just break it and not break it, like break it, like uh. Like a horse when like you break a horse. Yeah, yeah. I wanted, to, I wanted to tame it down, so to speak. And then how cool would that be to have like a five and a half, six foot jet black racer with a white face, like, and it's tame. That would be awesome. But didn't happen. I let it go. I can um, kind of see that. I can see Ish. that, but I am not a fan of, okay. Hook manipulation hook technique, um, building your form and your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your footing. So your, your muscle memory. Right. Building the technique of using a hook, manipulating the animal with said tools. Absolutely. Pretending it's better. Nice Do your thing. Yeah. So I'm a big, I'm a big proprietor. Oh, he took the headphones out. I'm a huge proprietor of technique and fundamentals with venomous. Uh, learning your capabilities and perfecting them. Uh, becoming better at the overall technique, whether it be the way that you turn your wrist, the way that your feet are planted. Uh, I oftentimes compare it to dancing. It is not break dancing, despite what is shown on YouTube. It is a ballet. It is a waltz. It's smooth. It's melodic. It's very free-flowing. It's uh, it's like Bruce Lee doing Kung Fu, you know, be the water, you know. Um, it's putting the animal at ease so that you can cut back on the danger factor because the animal has no reason to be defensive if it's relaxed and at ease. Um, I think training with a black racer to get the hook technique down and to work on your balancing and, you know, sectioning off the animal in thirds and uh, working on that skill set is phenomenal. But to pretend, oh, this is how a cobra is going to react or this is how a crate is going to react, that's a horrible idea. Because no matter what happens, in the back of your mind, you know that if you get bit, nothing's going to happen. You know in the back of your mind, if it gets loose, God forbid, nothing's going to happen. Uh, and your subconscious is going to continue to hold on to that, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. So using a racer or a red-tailed green rat snake or uh, you know a big black rat snake, something that has a little length to it or whatever, that's great for working on technique. So is working with ball python, so is, or excuse me, a royal python. So is working with a big blood python. Uh, you know, certain hook techniques in terms of balancing the animal on the actual hook so that you're not injuring their ribs or hurting them or bruising them in any way. It's, it's a ballet. So if you're looking at it in that point of view, awesome. if you're looking at it as, oh, it's just like a cobra, I'll practice. Not the same. doesn't count. How come when I grab this one, it bites me and I feel like I'm dying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was this a, there doesn't, was, any, doesn't feel anything like a, like a racer. There was this guy named uh, Brian Brian. He was an older guy. He used to work at Strictly. And they called him Crying Brian because he complained a lot. He always whined about something. And strictly got in a 
supposed venom or black mamba, but there was no pedigree paperwork of any kind. So normally when you get an animal like that, you do a series of tests. Uh, typically the test is you basically put, you know, a, a paper towel or something on the end of a tweezers. You get it to bite the paper towel. If there's venom, you know, you're not, you're not venom. Um, another way that's a little inhumane is to throw a live rat in there. The rat's going to get bit four or five times. If the rat's alive for five minutes, it's venom. You know? um, because on that fourth or fifth bit, if it a fourth or fifth bite, it's gonna put some venom in. Um, but this guy didn't do any of that. He's like, I'll test it. And he literally reached in the cage, got bit like four times in the forearm by this mamba, and then proceeded to have what we called uh, what the hell did we call it? What like like hypochondria, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's like, he's like, Oh man, my chest starting to hurt, man. I think. I think my heart's slowing down. And we're like, dude, you're fine. Like, you'd know, trust me. Like, trust me, you'd know. And then after like an hour, he's like, I think I think I need to go home. And then we determined that he just wanted to go home. <laughs> he showed up to work the next day. He was fine. Like, hey, look at that. You're alive. Weird. Yeah, right? Like, funny how the Packers game was on that afternoon. You still smoking the brick? Moving on to bigger game. Yeah, my man. My man. The goat. The goat. Ah. So. I don't think Venomoids are as common as they used to be. Throw, throw that up, Justin, so people can see. What? Oh, I didn't know you were going to throw up his comment. Which one? Yeah. one? So, venomoids used to be quite common. I would say that you're very correct. Um, Jonas, true. Yes, I do. Very true. I want all the boiga. Uh, not to change topic real quick. Back to venomoids real quick. Um, oh, that's a whole. That's a whole other topic. So anyway, venomoids. Venomoids. So there used to be two veterinarians in the United States that were actual veterinarians and had their own practices. Um, I believe one of them, one of them is the mentor of the other. And I believe that the older gentleman is now deceased. Um, I'll keep names off just because I don't know what they're doing these days. Um, but what they would do is uh, they would actually, at the time, anesthesia was very, very bad with snakes. And most of the snakes just never woke up. They would just die comatose, whatever. And they learned that if they did a certain mix of nitrous, like the dentist gives you, the snake just gets super loopy and basically acts as if it's asleep. So these individuals actually had special surgical tables made with uh, tie straps for snakes. You know, stretch mm -hmm. them out, strap them down, blah, 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 blah. And what they would do is they would actually go inside the mouth, not from the top, but inside. They would actually remove the venom gland, the venom duct. They would carterize the duct, but not carterize the actual uh, tooth root so that way the right. could continue to grow back. And then where the gland was, they would completely carterize the inside of the gland pocket. And then they had specially made silicone implants, much like uh, fake boobs. And like they titties. Would, like titties. And they would put those in there. <laughs> and that way the animal did not have any deformity of where the gland, you know, was. 
Um, and then they would basically hold on to the animal for four to six months to make sure that the animal is healthy and eating and pooping and everything was good. And then you had your venomoid. And uh, it was it was actually amazing. And I am totally for venomoids for an educational point of view, for a safety factor, if it's done like that. If you're doing it for showboating, no. If you are, I think they're pointless, period. If you're letting some guy hack open a snake in his garage, no. Um, I've also heard stories where uh, the venom glands grow back because they're glands and they grow back. And the duct may not have grown back because the duct, the actual duct channel is cauterized, but the gland grows back and that venom is going to go somewhere. And I've actually heard of people being bit by venomoids and getting envenomated, not from the fangs per se, but because it mixed with their saliva, much like a Gila monster. So mm -hmm. I agree with Justin. I personally don't have a reason or a point to have a venomoid and those veterinarians, they don't do it anymore. They're out of it completely, probably because they got a lot of flack for it. Um, but it used to be a thing. And it used to be. Yeah, I don't. I don't get the point. Like, if you're keeping venomous, you're keeping venomous. Right. Something that's not venomous. There's thousands of other species you can get. Like, you want a cobra that's not venomous? Get a hog nose or a false water or something. Mm. It's just stupid. It's like saying you want to like you want a gun, so you go buy you know uh, <laughs> a Glock like that shoots BBs, like a BB gun. I see your point. I do. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't get it. It's like you either do it or you don't. You know. I don't know. There's there is certain danger factors in an educational standpoint that don't necessarily need to be there, but at the same time, you take the precautions to make sure that accidents don't happen. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not condoning venomoids by any means. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I see what you're saying. I get yeah. it, but mm -hmm. I just, I've always thought they were, they were pointless. Like if, what's the point of keeping venomous if you're just taking out the venom part? Right. It just seems right. pointless to me. And you're putting that snake through all that for, for what? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, and what's funny, whatever. the state, whether it be Florida or whatever, the state still considers it venomous. And why is that? Probably because of the, you know, percentage of risk of it, you know, something happening, even if it's supposed to be void. The offspring are still venomous. Yeah. That, that I actually, there's actually a paper in Florida stating that because I guess somebody wanted to bring in a bunch of venomoids. It's like a loophole. They're like, oh, I don't need a venomous license. They're venomoid. It's like, no, they, they can still have hot babies. Tough shit. <laughs> We're not that stupid. <clears throat> Brendan asked if it would be something for venomous training, and he, you know, says, or is it still something that hurts your hurts your uh, hurts you mentally? Um, it does. It, it's a false sense of security. You assume yes. that it's it's not the like same. training training with a with a yeah, with a fake gun. Exactly, exactly. You know that a bullet is never going to come out of that gun because it physically cannot come out. I give you a real gun and tell you, hey, be careful. It's a big difference. But like my mother always says, you can unload a gun, but you can't unload a snake. Tell that to Ray Hoser. Right? Our Lord and Savior. Oh, my God. 
glazing over that. Yeah. Going back to this dog tooth cat snake thing. Hell yeah, yeah I do. I don't know. I don't know if Terry's going to send me anything else though, because he sent me that rhino rat snake and I lost it. And so now he's probably like, fuck that guy. Uh, you don't know that man. Accidents happen. I do want more Boyga though. <laughs> I can honestly say uh, uh, I've been I've been lucky with not having there's like no wood around here to knock on I have without having snakes get out um, I've had some lizards get loose I've had some bugs get loose found the bugs escape proof room Well, that's the nice thing with scorpions too. You can't find them. Just turn the lights off and put on a black light. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Yeah, hey, I, it's, I had, it's I glowing had, in the corner. I see it. I had emperor scorpions that were smuggled out of Sierra Leone in like 2008, 2000, no, like 2006. And uh, my girlfriend was living with me at the time, and uh, she's stupid. And I had them in light drawers okay yeah it was super cool because like i was like i don't need a rack system i don't need heating they're emperors but dude sierra leone emperors they're like i don't know how to do this with scale because of the stupid camera but like they're like they're like emperors on roids they're gigantic they were easily they were like i don't want to say eight inches maybe like seven inches from like chelicerated tail tip mm -hmm. and uh, they were just diesel guess what they pushed those drawers open. What? Yep. I found the drawer. I came home one day. I came home late. I was out partying with friends. I came home at like midnight. <clears throat> and each drawer was cracked just enough for them little suckers to crawl up out. And I did not tell my girlfriend. And I started to rip the room apart. She's like, what are you looking for? I was like, I lost my headphones. I can't find my headphones. I don't know where they are. She's like, well, I'll help you. I was like, no. I was like, just get in bed. Watch TV. I'll find them. And I ripped that room apart. And I could not find I lost two of them. The, the male and the female. The big ones. <clears throat> and she wound up leaving. She moved back to New York. And so that was about six months. She left her dresser. And I was like, I'm sick of looking at this freaking dresser. I moved the dresser. Found one dead on the carpet. I was like, <gasps> move the bed. Found the other one dead underneath the bed. So escape proof room. What is your – this is something I was thinking about today for, like, talking about on here. But, like, what is – if someone, like, starter starter Venomous, what's your starter. top, like, three? What's your top three? My top three. Um, I think that my top three is difficult because I want to say False Water Cobra. I want to say that. But – you're still going to play with it. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're still going to play with it. And you're still going to, you may be weary in the beginning, but eventually you're going to realize, oh, it's used to me. It's not going to bite me and I'm fine. So I want to say false water cobra, but I'm not going to say false water cobra. I will definitely say cotton, uh, uh, excuse me, copperhead. I think mm -hmm. copperhead um, uh, The problem is, is that people don't realize how nasty they really are in terms of toxicity. They're like, oh, you may just lose your fingers. Like, no, 
you could still have anaphylactic shock and die. So they're just like squams, dude. They're not that bad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The infamous squam discussion. There's a reason why the horse rejects the antibodies. Did I say that right? Did I say that right? Yeah. Regardless, yeah. there's a reason why the horse can't make the antivenom. Because it's not good venom. It's bad venom. But I would say uh, I would say copperheads. It uh, doesn't matter what locality or what subspecies. Um, honestly, cottonmouths, man. I love cottonmouths. And they will give you the same pep and the same spunkiness that a smaller species of rattlesnake gives you, but they're much more understanding both in husbandry as well as in handling. I find mm -hmm. it much easier to handle a cottonmouth than a western diamondback or a pygmy rattlesnake or uh, you know massasagua. Um, I think cottonmouths and copperheads are probably two of the best beginner venomous. Um, let me think. Let me think of something that's not native. Uh, another one that I think is really good uh, that you don't see too often is one of my favorites is uh, uh, Malayan pit vipers. Malayan pit vipers are what? one of my favorite snakes. They have the look of something crazy old world. They have the strike speed of a Fertilance, but they pretty much... Rotostoma. What's that? Rotostoma? Yeah, Calisolesma, Rotostoma. What? But they act, to me, they act more like a pissed off cottonmouth. They're more... They're more gnarly there and flap their tail than they are to freak out and shoot across the room. You know, um, I, you physically, you can never tail it. It's in my personal opinion is an untailable snake. I would never do it. I don't care how tame the animal is, but I think that that species is a snake that can be single hooked or double hooked appropriately. I think mm -hmm. the is minimal. I think the danger factor is most definitely there. Um, but I feel like a combination of ease of handling and husbandry put that in there. I do. And I'm going to catch you. Yeah, that's kind of the, that's the, that's the weird like kind of thing about it though, is like, at what point do you go from keeping something that's kind of predictable in terms of what it's going to do? Like you, it's going to ride a hook. Well, it's kind of not, it's not, not going to give any issues as far as like regular maintenance and dealing with it. Like at what point do you kind of step that up? And now you got to deal with a species that is, Squirrely, and no, no, it makes one hundred and ten percent sense, and and it's difficult because you're right, you're totally right, but you need to have mentorship. You have to. Oh yeah, and and that's the problem is that if you're in a predicament where you have no mentorship, then you should never keep anything else besides native stuff because of anti-venoms and it's local and all that. Um, you need to you need to have mentorship. You have to. I had it, you know, the people before me had it, and that's what has to happen. And, and mentorship doesn't mean hours upon hours or years upon years of training. It means physically getting the opinions and the knowledge of someone who's been doing it longer, whether it be good knowledge or bad knowledge, 
hear it out. You know, in Florida, it's real, real hard to get an MS license. And I always tell people, don't just train with me. Find somebody else. Get two, three, four, ten different opinions of how to do something and mold it to yourself. You know, I will rarely tell you that you're wrong unless it's A, unsafe, or B, I explain it to you and say, hey, it's a good idea, but don't do it because of X, Y, Z. You know, I think my I think the, the answer to that would be a spedalapse. Yeah, agree with that. Um, yes and no. Um, I feel like if you've worked with a if you've worked with the most psychotic copperhead you've ever had in your entire life, and you wanted to prepare yourselves for a lapids, then yeah, go with a spedalapse. But a spedalapse are horrible. They do not ride a hook. In fact, I actually, at the farm, I have special hemostats that we made. I mean, I don't made, but I bought really long locking hemostats, and I dipped the tips of them in silicone rubber because mm -hmm. it gets to the point where you try and hook it. You try; It's too small to tail. You know, it's only that big. You can't tail it. So you're single hooking it, and it flops off, and you single hook it, and it flops off, and it flops off, and it flops off, and now you're getting frustrated. You have two choices. You can either change your method of attack or you can stop what you're doing and come back to it later because the more frustrated you get an accident's happen. So I made these hemostats so that I tell myself if I can't get them on the third try, I'm going to very gently grab them with the hemostats, lift them up and put them in the container real quick. And they're rubber tipped. I'm not squeezing hard enough that I'm going to break a rib or break its vertebrae. I'm just going to grab it real quick, lift it up and put it down. And that is so annoying. I hate doing that. So until you are prepared with the most psychotic copperhead of your life or the most pissed off cottonmouth of your life or the callus lesma rotostoma, if you can actually find one, then yeah, go with that and lead you to it. But I'm sorry, ring calls are nothing, nothing like the coral cobra. The coral cobra is a joke compared to ring calls and ring calls aren't that bad. I thought my Aatrox was a pretty good, like that, that kept me on my toes. Yeah. Dr. E always says that Aatrox is a great starter animal because it gives you the fear. You know what I mean? Yeah. And <laughs> as much as I respect and admire Dr. E, Dr. E is the fucking man. I don't completely agree with that because if you're too afraid, then you're not going to enjoy it and you're not going to want to interact with it. And now the animal's suffering. You know, I don't know. I mean, it, it 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 put a healthy bit of like, I don't know what this thing's gonna do, so I need to be right. ready for pretty much anything because that thing, like, ape sharks can move, dude. Oh yeah, like mine would do some really wacky stuff, and it was like every time I was I was doing something, anything, whether you know with the, with the you know copperhead and the the western, um, you know, I put my phone on silent. I took it out of my pocket. I turned off any music or anything I had, like 100%, just blinders, focused on yeah. what I was doing. Right. <laughs> and uh, and it's because I had it. There was a few times with that Western that it was just like, what is that? Like, why are you? It, I mean, it, it got to a point where I kind of figured I, I figured her out pretty well, and I kind of knew what to expect going in. Um, but like, she would just do circles around the Neodisha first going in there and then I know that she'd stop at some point and then she'd just sit there and wait 
And so it was like, okay, go in there, tap with the hook, let her do her thing. And she'd stop. And it got to be fairly uh, routine for the most part, but still, man, uh, there was, I mean, like one of the, one of the last times I was doing anything with her when I was, before I got rid of them and I was cleaning the cage and stuff, I pulled her out and put her in my bucket. I had a five gallon bucket with a, one of the locking lids. Yeah. <clears throat> and she had gotten big enough at that point to where she could come back out of that bucket. Oh yeah. And I kind of, I kind of knew she was getting to that point, but I didn't think she had reached it yet. And one night she, she came right out. Watch it, it, caught me, it caught me off guard a little bit, but that was when I was like, all right, now I know next time. You know, yep. And my big, my biggest thing has always been, you know, if they freak out and they, you know, try to take off somewhere, you know, within reason, just let them do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. where are they going to go? You know? And most of the time, they're not going to go, they're not going to completely haul ass. They're going to go right. for a quarter or two, stop, get their bearings, and then keep going. And then that one moment, you have a chance to get another loop on it or whatever. It yeah. just seems to me like a lot of people getting into venomous, you know, they feel like it has to be contained all the time. Like this cannot go, you know, if I open the door to the cage, I can't let it come out for a foot or so calmly. Like it has to be sort of manhandled and controlled. And no, I, I agree a hundred and ten percent, but there are certain species that you need to let come out on their own. And there are certain species that you shouldn't. I am not a proprietor of letting the cobra come out on its own. The cobra's face is coming out. No, I want his face in the back of the cage. And I want tail first. That's me. I've seen people do it where they let the head come out and everything's honky-dory. And I've seen times where they let the head come out and the thing hooded up and sat there hooded. And now they're like, crap, what do I do now? You know, I usually teach uh, uh, what I call the five um, – oh, sorry, indigestion. I usually teach what I call the five what-ifs. And basically, let's pretend that a snake is only capable of five things, okay? You cannot predict which one of those five things it's going to do. But if right. you mean for all five and you're mentally prepared for all five, it doesn't matter what it does because you know what it's capable of and you know how to react to it. People who only think, oh, it's, it's, it always does this. It only does one and two. Well, guess what? When three or four or all five happen at once – you're up the creek. So that's where that whole thing of learning from other people, getting second opinions, third opinions, eighth opinions, it comes, it comes into a big play. You know, I, I think that, you know, spitalaps are great starter lapids. I do, but they're not the same as a cobra. They're not the same as a crate. They're not the same. They're not the same as a, a Malayan blue coral. You know, it's not the same. And some animals are easy. Some animals, you know, I've had cobras where they literally sat there and did nothing. And I just take a hook, I pick it up with one hook, like a limp noodle, and put it in the bucket. And I've had other ones where I sat there for 20, 30 minutes and said, you know what? It's not happening tonight. I'm going to bed. And I went to bed. Yeah. That's another thing people, you know, like, and I, that's something I didn't even realize. I was listening to some video with Jim Harrison or something, and they were talking about sort of their protocols, more or less. And they were saying, you know, hey, if there's if it's storming outside, we don't work with snakes because if we have something out and it's a thunderstorm, power goes out. Guess what? We're now stuck in a dark room with a snake. That, like I never really thought about that kind of stuff. 
And so that was like, a, that was a policy I, I adopted. Like if it's stormy, guess what? I'm not doing anything with any of the venomous stuff. If I'm sick or I'm not feeling up, like if I don't feel up to doing anything with them, I'm not going to do it. Hey, that just happened to Henry like two months ago. We had a storm rolling in. It wasn't raining. It wasn't thunder. It wasn't lightning. It was just dreary out. And I'm sure the storm was on the horizon and something blew somewhere and he had a, a black and white spinning cobra on the hook as he's t- putting it back in its enclosure. Lights turn off, pitch black, and he's just like, <gasps> and then as he thinks to himself, I'm just going to literally toss it in the bucket and stand still until I can get my phone out of my pocket with a flashlight on it. And as he's thinking this, the power came back, luckily. And the snake just sat there because the snake's doing the same thing. Like, whoa, what happened? Why did it go through? <laughs> And that's that's a, I always anytime I do venomous I always have a flashlight. And I usually carry a flashlight for work every day, but I always have a flashlight on me. And I also that's another thing that I train with hook technique is depending on the animal, can you go from a traditional hook and snake balancing act? Can you go from that to one handed properly without the animal even knowing what's happening? Right. I was actually just showing my friend this the other day. We were actually doing it with um, what's the black-tailed green rat? What the hell is that called? The uh, Ganyasoma. Yeah, Ganyasoma. So, so he gorgeous Ganyasoma. By the way, I thought of you. I was like, man, Justin would love this animal. It's like I want some of the gen- I want the Jensen. I so that's that's bad. the one with, like olive with a black tail. Like the tan color, yeah. Like the 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 white and black ones, more or less. Oh yeah, like the vanilla. This one's like a almost like a pea soup color, but it has a jet black tail and yellow eyes. Anyway, yeah, that might be. Like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I was showing my friend, yeah, I was showing my friend using that animal, and that's a great animal because they rear back on you, and it's mm-hmm. not just rear up like a cobra; it rears back, and it has like multiple. They launch. Yeah, yeah, they launch. So I was showing him. The, a, the balancing act of it doesn't matter what animal you have. You learn the technique. You balance the animal appropriately. The animal has no idea what's going on. I mean, that snake was on high alert the whole time. Yeah, pupils were dilated. The neck was puffed out. It was The tongue was being held out and doing that slow flickering thing. Mm-hmm. But it didn't launch. It didn't jerk. It didn't strike. It didn't gape. It literally sat there perfect for me because I had it completely <sighs> And, you know, I'm not holding the tail. I'm cradling the tail. I'm letting the tail drape over my fingers. And at one point I said, hey, all of a sudden something happened and you have to use a hand. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to throw this thing on the floor? No, you're going to transition. And I showed him how to transition to having hook and tail to having hook and tail. And now I have a free hand. And then back and forth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not ambidextrous. I can't do shit with my left hand. But I'll be damned if I can't handle a snake with my left hand. Man. Yeah, just like shooting, you know, you, it's you, it's one of those skills you'd rather have and not need than need not have. Exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. Did we answer this question or no? <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's just that's something – there's just so many. And that's, that's sort of my whole spiel with, like, venomous and stuff is – a very large percentage of people that are keeping them don't like really don't shouldn't be like they're not doing everything yeah. they really should be and <clears throat> uh, 
There goes my train of thought. Uh, they, don't, just, they don't. What? They don't consider things like, you know, the power outage thing. You know, no. hey, if you're not if you're not feeling all that great, or for some reason you just feel off that day, like it's okay that that water can stay dirty for another day. It's not gonna. Exactly. It's not gonna hurt anything. It's just yep. knowing your limits seems to be the biggest issue in venomous. Of course, a lot of uh, people. A lot of people don't like. A lot of people feel like they have to do something, or they, you know, they can't not do this today. Like it has to happen. Like yeah. it may not. You know, I'm not on my game today, but you know, screw it. I got this to do. It's like you don't though. I had a friend call me up, and he's like, "Bro, I really don't want to ask you this, but will you come help me handle my cobra?" And at first, I was like, "Why? Like you know what you're doing? What? Like like why? Like." You, you know your shit. You know what I mean? And he's like, listen, things acting a fool. I'm getting frustrated. My wife is losing her mind because the thing took a massive dump and the whole house smells. I got to clean this up. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll come over. And I literally, I, I didn't even touch the animal. I just stood there. And the time it took me to hang up the phone and drive to his house was enough time for that snake to chill out. And I told him that. I was like, listen, dude, it's been 20 minutes try again. Let's get the snake out. If it starts to give you shit, I'll jump in fresh eyes, fresh hands. And he took it out perfectly fine. The snake was fine. But you got to tell the wife, hey, it's going to be smelly. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. It's a safety factor. Um, yeah. One of the things that I love about the Venomous Mentor group on Facebook, which I don't even know if you're a member of, are you? I don't know. I was in it at one point. Let me see. You got to get in it, man. If you're not in it, I'll add you. Um, it's the only Facebook group that and the Atheris one I've been kind of dabbling in. But those guys are crazy because they take amazing photos and I'm jealous. Um, but the Venomous Mentor Group, you know, it started by Dr. E. Um, it's a great group, man. Tons of knowledge, uh, beginners, experts, everybody. But one of the biggest things they always remind each other, which I think is great, is if it's a snowstorm, don't play with your Venomous. Don't clean your Venomous. If it's a hurricane. Well be on the moon. Right. If it's a hurricane. Don't do it. If it's just a bad storm, like you said, don't do it. If it's the 4th of July, don't do it. If it's New Year's, don't do it. If it's Christmas, don't do it. Why? Because there's no ambulances running. There's not enough ambulances running. There's there's very little hospital staff. All the hospitals are short-staffed because everyone's on vacation for the holidays. Don't do it. Simple. It's simple. you know. And another thing that I've actually started to do myself is <clears> – <throat> have a have your contingency plan if you're by yourself um god forbid something happens you're by yourself are you going to have an allergic reaction that makes you so debilitated that you physically can't dial 911 are you right um right. Better- i mean like that's that's when if you get bit i think a lot of people are under the impression like i'll just go to the hospital and they'll fix me and it'll be fine i'll go home you know two days later it's like you may not be awake. Yeah. Yeah. Is your, does your family know what you're keeping? Are they going to be able to tell the doctor, oh, yeah, it was a Gaboon Viper? And then you have the issue of the doctor's going to be like, well, what the hell is a Gaboon Viper? Let me start making some phone calls while you're, you yeah. know, your arm let's, is swelling to Michelin man sizes. Let's go, let's go back a step. Let's go even a little lighter. Let's not even say Gaboon. Let's say that it's a copperhead, a snake that is mildly venomous in relativity. A snake that there is copious amounts of antivenin for nationwide, but you have an allergic reaction. Now, 
is your wife, is your girlfriend, is your roommate, is your significant other mentally prepared for seeing their loved one incapacitated, laying on the floor, unconscious? Yep. Are they going to go, oh my God, I need to do X, Y, Z? Or are they going to go, <laughs> right, panic and shut down? Yeah, and shut down, exactly. And that's not a knock on them. It's not. It's not insulting to them. It's a fact of reality. It's something. It's real world. Real world. We talked about. Um, at one point, I had a pretty good venomous class going. I had like maybe like eight people at one time, like rotating a couple days here, a couple days there. And uh, my one friend um, hosted like a like a little dinner party. You know, we we, yeah. we bought food and everybody came over, had some beers, and I made a PowerPoint. It was like my first ever snake PowerPoint. It was super. <laughs> But uh, I made a PowerPoint of what to do if you're by yourself and shit happens and what to do if you're the significant other, if you're the roommate, if you're the wife, whatever. And I put in some of the most gruesome fucked photos that I could find. And the wives, their jaws dropped. And the guy's jaws dropped because the guys thought to themselves, holy crap, I never went through this with my wife. And then the wife realized, oh my God, I never realized what this was. Yeah. And I, the point was not to scare people. I don't want to scare people. I don't want to deter people. This is an awesome thing that we're doing. We're passionate. We love these animals. But this is a fact of a fact. It, it's going to, God forbid, be like this. So you have to be mentally prepared for it. And it goes way farther than just having some bite protocol that you threw into a three-ring binder. You know? Yeah. But even then, like that, I think that just having that, because you know Joe at the the Snakebite Institute, mm-hmm. you can buy those protocols from him. I think the like the basic North American Crotalid one is like four bucks. Mm-hmm. Like that could be the the four dollars that determines you know your fate in something like that. And it's like, why wouldn't you like? There's no excuse to not have that. You're right. You're right. And even just flipping through it, I was like, if I was a doctor and I had this given to me when a patient came in was bit, I'd be ecstatic. But because the context list but, and stuff of like, hey, here's people I can call that are doctors that know what they're doing, you know. Just but I will say, this, hopefully, Joe is not listening because I purchased them. I think they're great. He does a fantastic job for the money. I cannot ask for a better five dollar buy protocol. It's it's amazing. But in my personal opinion, the people that he listed as local expert in my area i do not agree with in the least capacity whatsoever at all that aside my favorite part of it is that he gives step-by-step instructions mm-hmm. as not necessarily administering the antivenin but this could happen this could happen if Here's this what you can expect happen, yeah right if this happens hit him with 20 cc's of this, you know, because the guy has a major medical background. And that I think is the crucial part. It really is. Mm -hmm. Is the, is the, the what if part of the pipe. Yeah. I just, it seems stupid to me that someone would not go ahead and just pony over the dough and get one, you know, and I still have mine. I need to, I need to find someone who needs one because I don't need mine. Yeah. So actually uh, I threw Joe some curveballs. I, uh, I was like, listen, I got this, this, and this. And he's like, well, there is no specific one for that, but if you use this one, you should be fine. And I was like, all right, I figured as much. You know, plus I'll be honest, 
uh, Henry's kind of a uh, anti-venom junkie, and he sends me all you know uh, research articles and stuff. And he's really good about being up and up on the on the medical side, on the, the pharmacology side, if you will. So it's good to have a friend like him, you know. I'm still bummed I can't find that video, that old video of the Gaboon bite. So you're not going to find it, man. You're not going to find it. Gonna, I'll go on the dark web or something to find it. I don't care. Dude, it's so... It, it, How to exist. <laughs> it, it, might, it might be out there somewhere. It might be. But... Oh, man. God, I... Henry sent a photo tonight from one of his friends on Instagram uh, of a Legion's Cobra. Mm -hmm. Dude, I miss mine so bad. And like a Legion's Cobra in Morocco, in the wild, just looking majestic as fuck. And dude, I need it. I need it. I want one. I miss it. Like really bad. Every time I see pictures of, of Nishii, I get a chub. Hmm. And meanwhile, a friend I of mine passed, I just passed one on Google, and so I'm like, oh. I was gonna say a friend of mine just got an import shipment of them, and he gave me a great price, but I just I just can't afford it right now with like Christmas passing and everything, so I had to pass. But I was like, oh man, I should just get a pair, and then I just give Justin all the babies. I just I don't you know I don't think I'll ever keep exotic venomous. I mean, my venomous days, aside from Boyger, are pretty much over, I think, with the child in the house and stuff. But it's just like I said, it's knowing your limits. Like, keeping <laughs> – I'd love to keep Bush Vipers and stuff, but to me, it's like if you're just keeping them to keep them, is the risk worth it? I don't I don't think it is, personally. That's that's me, though. Yeah, but you never know, man. There, there may be a day when, you know, when your daughter is older and things are different, and you may, you know – Wifey may evolve in her thought process, and it may be better. You never know. Like I have, I have no doubt that I can do it safely, and that I, you know, I won't have any issues, at least in my control. Um, right. But it's just like you know, to to have them, and then you know, breeding. I'm not going to feel comfortable selling to pretty much anybody, except for you know, select few like yourself. But it's right. like, is it really worth it just to have it and something happen, and then be like, well. You know, why'd I get bit? Because I felt compelled to have it and that be it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Excellent, Ryan. You are the man because I have yet to get a hotel room and I'm highly planning on it. <clears throat> so I'm on my to-do list. I'm camping. I gotta find a tent. I gotta get a tent. How many rooms are in your Airbnb, Cox? Oh, they actually—I think they have a spare one. So you may need to—you may want to look into into rooming with those fools. With with them or with that air same Airbnb, like the same house or that same house? Oh, all right. I think it's like it's him, his girlfriend, uh, James Lewis, and his wife, and then. Joe and Melissa from Port City Pythons. Okay, <clears throat> that that may that may solve your your maybe dorm well, I'm trying to get Henry to come with me because even though he's not a big Morelia guy, he's he needs to meet all y'all. So uh, well, I mean, you should be going just to see Cody's stuff alone. Like that's worth the trip, man. 
His his setups are freaking immaculate, dude. Yeah, sometimes I get really upset with myself because I'm like, man, I could totally do that, but I'm just so lazy. <laughs> they put so much – they put a lot of effort into their setups, man. It's really nice, with most of them at least. <clears throat> cool. You know, they have a few in, like, racks and stuff, but, like, their their Montane room, which has all their Bach Reactus and stuff, oh, my God. Unbelievable. Nice. nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't find this video. You're still looking for that Kaboon video? Yes. Well, stop, because it's you're not going to find it. It's the internet. Everything exists on here, man. You can't give up. I'm sending you that Legionis picture because it needs to be shared. Had to happen. You ever see that video of Nigel Marvin getting chewed on by that Falsy? What? You ever see that video of Nigel Marvin getting chewed on by that false water cobra? Mm -mm. <laughs> I think it's screen share time. <clears throat> Go for it. Let's see, let me find it. Sorry, Cox. I I am going to see you and the people. I'm not going just to see Montaigne setups. I've had Bilaniatis. Meh. Are we ready? Um, Ryan, I would say no. Not normally. I gotta be honest, man. This is so cool that we can do this. It's like so 21st century of us. <laughs> this That's a big false water cobra, first of all. Oh, yeah. Oh, and it just latches onto him. Where is he? Like I don't want to get more? I don't know. Oh my god, what's wrong with him? It, I think it, it doesn't stop there. Like, this thing really gives it to him, dude. Oh my god. And of course, his, his arm swelled up like crazy. It makes me wonder if... Oh, god, Jesus. Oh. I can see it just unload on him, dude. He has no idea what species that is. He doesn't know. Like that's a, that, that's a big enough falsy to do to, to like you're gonna feel that. Yeah. Like that's what he he must not know. Does I mean does he? Talk I think at one point he's like it's starting to tingle a little bit. I don't remember the exact dialogue. I don't think you can hear the audio, but. Oh my god. Oh, look! It's at the just there. It's oh god. <laughs> And, and someone's going to correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that venom is almost entirely cytotoxic. So, like, I believe he's so. just going to bleed. I mean, he already is. Like, that's a lot of blood. Like, normally any other snake bite, there would, there would, that would yeah, be. Yeah, see, see how loose the blood is and runny it is? That's that cytotoxin, man. It's just killing all the blood cells. Oh, Actually, I think you're right. I think he he did he wasn't aware of what species that was. Like, let me let me go back. Or you know, hey man, the camera makes people do stuff.
Oh no, he knows what he knows what it is. Oh, all right. He says no venom, of course, but yeah, that's like you gotta know. How do you know that's a false water cobra and not know it's venomous? Because the guy behind the camera said, "Oh, it's a false water cobra. Don't worry about it." Little did he know. That's a big one, dude. Yeah, it's pretty good size. I like that reduced pattern. Reduced pattern looks cool. That looks like uh, that looks like uh, uh, Bolivian or like the West Coast localities. It doesn't look like Amazonian or like Suriname or French Guyana or anything like that. <clears throat> Yeah. It's like a bee sting. Yes, Brennan. Yes, most definitely. Most and definitely. I don't know why, because that's like if you play that game, that's the stupidest trophy that you win, and no one cares about it. I am more than content with the best three inches of anyone's life. Henry just texts me. He says, I just started now. What did I miss? Henry, you missed a lot. You missed invasive species in Florida. You missed South Carolina rules and regulations being proposed in government. You missed a topic of venomoids. I almost feel like this should have been a podcast because it was a, it's been really good so far. <laughs> missed talking about Henry copious amounts of times and all the Legion Cobras that he's going to buy us. Oh, that is a cool-ass picture, dude. I told you. Henry always provides, man. Amazing. Awesome. Love that. I got to dig up my pictures of my old ones. I was telling Henry I had a – so our uh, – you and I's mutual Bushmaster friend, if you catch my drift, mm -hmm. he came into – six babies that were just like a week old. Somebody was just like, here, I don't want these. Take them. And back in the day, we used to just give each other snakes, man. That was just it. Venomous was so cheap back then um, that we just gave each other stuff. And he had six of them. He kept two. He sold two. And then he gave me two. So I kept one and I gave one to another friend. Um, long story short, all of them died except for mine. Um, a lot of people Not to brag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize this, but when they think of Morocco, they just think of straight desert. And yeah, most of it is arid, but when you get into the foothills of the Atlas Mountains, it's stepland. It's very savanna-y and it's a lot of desert stone. It's like desert with humidity. Um, so I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, all these guys are having bad luck. Why don't I make two uh, I call it a triple bowl. You do a bowl for water a bowl for sphagnum and a bowl is a hide box. And uh, why is, why is Cox going to have a stroke? <laughs> if it's the speckles, I think they are. Don't bother buying them, Cox. Oh, oh, I, sorry. I missed that one. Okay. So um, anyway, blonde hognose are way cooler, way cooler. So I kept this thing alive for like five, six years. The thing turns. Speckles are awesome. It's the person selling them. It's not. Ah. Um, we named this Moroccan, we named him Couscous, 
And uh, he was literally the chest popper alien. He would sit in the lip of the vision cage and he would strike down, upside down, out the vision cage glass like a chest popper alien. Like Spider-Man. Yeah, like Spider-Man. And uh, he died out of the blue. Um, I actually had him at my friend Zach's house and I was there like the night before. We cleaned his cage. Everything was cool. And the next day, dead. Very sad. So now anymore. <clears throat> You'll get those, but you won't buy the Nishii. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's crap. That's blasphemy. I don't know, man. Legions have a special like thing in my heart. Like I don't want to say it, but they might be. My, I think they are my favorite Cobra. Henry and I always go back and forth because Henry's a huge King guy. Like that's like his forte. He knows everything about him. Um, eventually, he will be writing the quintessential book. I'm waiting for him to do it. But we always talk about like how cool and Domin Island Cobras are. That is actually something that you should probably put up on the screen. Um, and Domin Island Cobras are um, a endemic. They're endemic to the Andaman Islands, which is owned by or governed by India. And uh, there's no export, there's no import, there's no nothing. Um, they're totally, totally protected. Um, but all we do is Google pictures of them. <laughs> Dude, I've never even heard of those before. Those are freaking sweet. The Sagittifera. Naja Sagittifera. Excuse me. Sagittifera. It looks like a gargoyle as a cobra. Right? The adults are kind of ugly. I mean, they're, they very I don't much think are. They look pretty freaking dope. The adults? Yeah. They're kind of like a, like a poo-brown color. I mean, this one's like, almost has like a Bushmaster sort of pattern to it. Yeah, yeah. But do those babies, those turquoise banded babies, like click that one on the bottom left with the monocle on the back. Yeah, dude. That's where it's at. Diamond Island Cobras. So yeah, it's like, it's like a hard press between that and uh, and the Legions for me. I just love Legions. Hmm. Oh, what are you sending me, Henry? Henry says the that this one is not pretty, which I think he's out of his mind. I just think like that looks cool, dude. I don't know how old this picture is. It looks fairly aged, but yeah. But they're a cool species, man. That's very bizarre looking. But that one's freaking cool, dude. It looks like a statue, right? Like like it's made of like porcelain. And the babies look like little crates. Yeah, they do. A little silvery. Oh, sorry. Henry says, no, it's super pretty. <laughs> you know, Henry, you could just type on the uh, live comments, you know. Yeah, man, there was once a point in my life, in my younger years, when I just started getting into cobras, and I was like, I'm going to do my damnedest to get every species. And at the time, I think there was only like 23. And I was like, that's doable, 23 snakes, that's easy. And like hindsight, thank God I didn't, because that would just be a mess. Ooh, do you ever keep any of the uh, ovosa, ovophis? The what? Those ovophis? 
Ovophis. Those those weird Asian these things. Show me show me the snake. I'm, I'm, I'm showing you these things. Ovophis? No, what is that? The Tonkin Pit Viper? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had one. Never had one. Those are really, really bizarre. It was a Tokonensis or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tokonensis. I never had that. I mean, there was a guy who posted in one of the, I think it was maybe the Trimeroesterus group. He got bit by one. Oh, was that the one with the guy with the tweezers? I don't know. He had uh tattoos and stuff. Oh no, no. What's the one? It's from. It's from Asia, and it's like some Asian kid, and he's got like. He's feeding on hemostats that are way too short, and the thing just latches. Oh, yeah, no, I think that was a uh, that looked more like a, <clears throat> a mamushi or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, though, man, dude, Henry and I have been texting back and forth about the Latticinctus, dude. That is like the tree viper, man. I know you love your Nichiai, but dude, I mean, those are pretty badass, too. Like, I can't argue that, those are pretty cool looking. That's cool. Fauna. Dude, I won't lie. I can't use Fauna unless it's on the Tap and Talk app. I just I just can't do it. It just drives me crazy. Like I search for something and I'm like, oh my God, look, that's a great price. That's a great looking animal. Oh yeah, it's from 2012. Never mind. <laughs> like that's super annoying. Because someone commented 10 years later and was like, is this available still? Yeah, exactly. That's This is another one that I've got kind of a fetish for, these uh, Amidites. Yeah, man. Those things are. You got to Google. So there's a, uh, uh, a, I guess it would be the Northern Alps. There's a Northern Alps locality from Austria that's black and white and red. You got to Google that. Henry, you're, you're killing me here, bro. <laughs> Henry, we're finding your Austrian Amadites. Actually, didn't I send you a picture of that? I don't think so. Here's another one that I, if I could, if I could keep it, I would, and that's the Asnikovi. What? Asnikovi? Those things oh, are freaking yeah. sweet, dude. Oh, Those things are so badass. Dude, and then apparently there's a section of um, Azerbaijan that are like the reddest of the red. And I guess some dudes in Europe got them and they're going to mark my words in the next like three or four years, you're going to see some Kaznikovi that are out of uh, any, I don't want to call them like a Caspian locale, but it's definitely Azerbaijan and they are just screaming hot, man. Just like flaming flames on the sides. I know that's redundant flaming flames. Um where is this picture? There's another species in Iran I think is really cool. Is that fingers uh, are cool? I can't tell. Oh my god! There are so many pictures of snakes. Oh my god! What am I doing? Now I can't find it. Uh, there it is. Not Wagner. What is it? That. 
That is amazing. I don't know if you want to go full screen for that. Oh, yeah. I think you did send me that. I did send you that. How awesome is that? The red tail tip. It's like a Stormtrooper Viper. That's freaking sweet. Oh, and then there's the uh, the Georgian. You've seen the Georgian Kaznikovai? Oh, how awesome! I'm gonna, I'm gonna freaking flip this table, dude. Stop. Ryan Cox, it would be my pleasure to mentor you on heliodermy. It would be the best twenty minutes of your life. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because, uh, you know, I hate to just talk about my boy Henry over and over and over again, but he's very much an Alapid guy. That's like his his pure passion. Um, but just recently, he's been looking at Vipers. And it just goes to show you how we all start with something we like. We all look at something and go, man, that's amazing. So what do we do? We do our homework. We do our research. We find pictures. We talk to friends who have them, friends who have bred them. We make friends. We lose friends, all that stuff. And then years later something that we just didn't give a crap about now we want it you know yeah <clears throat> like for example i used to really like telescopus you know the african tiger snakes yeah. and uh i never got them i was like oh they're cool i'll get them one day and then they just dried up and then dude nippers got them and dude yeah. like dude I'm he's a, he's a nut for telescopus man he's yeah. he's like all about those things that's awesome Hold on, let me get this glare right. And I, I, I laugh at him all the time because I'm like, why? Like, I don't get it. You don't get it? I don't Dude. get it. Super cool. I mean, yeah, awesome. I, like I've seen those. Like, yeah, I just, I don't know. Whatevs. I guess to each their own. Uh, but then I look at all these Boyga and I'm just like... Give me all of them. I don't <laughs> care how difficult they are to keep. Did uh, did anyone send you this? I don't know if this is leucistic or if this is some kind of apparent pattern, but this is a coral cobra. Dang it. There we go. Okay. Hurry up. Okay. Looks like a cow king. I know, but it's not. It's awesome. Is uh, is it officially the witching hour? I think it is the witching hour. Well, I had a lovely evening with you, sir. I think I this, this may be one of the best ones we've ever done. I, I, I think so as well. I was thinking the same thing. Should have been a podcast. I thought about ripping the audio from these and uploading them. At least this one. Did she just lock me out? Uh-oh. I think she did. Well, good night, everyone. Good night, Ryan Cox. Good night, Brennan. Good night, Henry, if you're still watching. Yep. We will see all of y'all later. Good night. Deuces.